Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 125, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today, we're back in the studio, and we're joined by Adam Fry of Fry's Brewing Company. Thank you, sir. Thank you for stopping by <laughs> again. Uh, you were originally here way back in what was 2017, uh, the second episode we recorded. Woohoo! Hopefully, by the end of this, you've noticed that we're even maybe just shy of being professionals instead of being pure <laughs> amateur show at that point. Um, so you have a newly opened tap room. Yes. That, um, you're fresh off a short hiatus yes. of being open. Um, what do you, which one do you want to talk about first? Oh the, my goodness. The good or the bad? Uh, let's talk about the good. Okay. So I haven't been there yet. I apologize. That's but okay. I, for pretty much this entire year, I've so far, I've barely left, uh, my house or the downtown Frederick area. It's been kind of wet. So, <laughs> um, but from the pictures, it looks absolutely beautiful. Yes. And the people I know who have been there said it also said it's beautiful. So I guess we'll just go right into that. Let's talk about, you have a new tap room. Yes. So, uh, we renovated our barn. Um, it's an old bank barn. Um, I don't really know exactly how old the bank barn is. What does that mean? What's it's, a bank barn? A uh, bank barn is where um, it has uh, an above floor, like well, a first floor and a, and a basement or a cellar or a first and second floor, however you want to you know just define that. The downstairs was usually for the animals and and you know that such. Uh, upstairs was usually to keep hay. Okay. And you know all the different stuff. So these things were built you know, pretty heavy duty back in the day. Um, and this is like an old, like you know, German style barn too. So they used a lot of, uh, uh, really neat woods in it. Like, you know, have American chestnut and red cedars and, and all those things. So when people walk in, uh, the front door, it's like, as soon as you walk in, you just see it's, it's just alive. Um, the, you know, we, we built the bar, the bar is using reclaimed wood out of the floor and uh, fence boards um, from off the farm and, and another farm that, um, oh, cool. that we had access to. And uh, so the how the um, you know the, the the bar itself looks is just it's 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 unique. I mean, it's it's not something you're going to walk in and say well, you know like oh you know it's a, no no people like literally come in and they can't keep their hands off the bar. They're just always constantly rubbing the top of the bar and uh, you know it's epoxied and everything, but it, it just it has that draw. You just feel like you need to be touching uh, it at all times. It's really cool. So do you know, why is it called a bank barn? Do you know it's, why? Uh, the bank barn, because they usually built it up against a bank. And okay. Then, so they could drive the, well, back in, back in the day, it would have been their, you know, the horse, horse drawn buggy. Yeah, horse drawn bu yeah. Okay. And uh, of course, over time it became tractors and then it became, well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you know, all the others. Now it's just people. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I only, my grandfather had a farm and he, he has, his barn is that same way where it's. I guess it was a bank barn, but it's, he never referred to it that. So really, know. yeah. Well, I mean, most people just call them the barns, yeah. but it's you know specifically there's a bank barn. My brother has a uh, his barn um, is, has a second floor. Also, it's the exact same thing, but it's not a bank barn. So bank barns are a little bit more unique, I guess, in a way. I mean, I don't know. It's maybe not unique's the right word, but 
it's a style and you don't yeah really his was the same yeah. exact way that the stalls all the stalls for the animals are on the first, on the floor. first floor the yep. second floor was all where all the he stored his hay yeah and there was a big chute to yep. drop bales yep. of hay yep. down into yep. the first we used to have two um uh big holes for dropping hay down so that you could feed the animals below and he had the big one side painted black with two mail pouch on oh it did he and, yeah <laughs> yeah it, i didn't do that <laughs> and, and i don't know how true it is but he, it was he would brag about it that there's there was one line on the barn that i think it was um chewing serves the steady nerves or is that a common saying on mail i don't pouch know barn? i don't know so his Yes, the the normally mail pouch barns say chew mail pouch, treat yourself to the best. His had an extra line on it that said chewing serves the steady nerves. Wow. So if you ever see like a picture or mm-hmm. a painting of a barn that says that, it's probably his barn. Wow. Like my people from all over the country have sent my family members wow. pictures of his barn that were for sale at other places. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm, just, I'm really in the barns. I'm really truly <laughs> in the barns too. I mean, I've, I grew up farming. I've been, you know, I've farmed my my pretty much my whole life, and uh, just you know, love the study of like you know these old barns and you know go over. I, a, a farmer can go to somebody else's barn and just appreciate it for what it is. You know, the construction, um, just how it, how it flows. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it, barns were repurposed so many times. I mean, it's. I don't know. I, I can well, wax romantic. <laughs> I would say his is that one is. It was from the late 1800s yeah. that it was built, and he passed away 20 years ago. And it's and no one's taken care of it since then. It's, and it's still up and not like. I mean, they're they're sturdy. built to last. They're built yeah. to last. They really are. But I mean, I don't know how much Frederick County's losing per year. But I mean. If I had to take a guess, I mean, we're probably losing like two to three barns a year in Frederick County alone. And, you know, it's just these old barns are just, you know, nobody can take care of them. They can't maintain them. Like the, and they're expensive to maintain. So it's a shame, really. Was that part of the reason for wanting to make the barn the tap room? Yeah, that- I mean, it really was. I mean, we, we kind of did something about 15 years ago um, where, because uh, we had we had some issues with some of the some of the beams starting to get old and, and I was actually in uh, putting in round bales, you know, big, big hay, really big hay bales, and uh, the floor kind of buckled underneath of me, and yeah, so oh, yeah, yeah, and so it was one of those things. But I mean, we had a lot of weight on that. I mean, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds, you know, and uh, when it happened, and you know, one of the beams had broken underneath, like literally underneath the tractor that I was in. So thank God it didn't collapse. Uh, yeah. The floor was the floor was heavy duty enough, you know what I'm saying? And it had enough backup, uh, across the entire thing. But, but that was, that was kind of a wake up moment. Like, Oh my God, this old barn might not make, be around too much longer if we don't do something now. So we did, we, we went in and we renovated it. And then of course, you know, we just re-renovated it again, uh, brought it up to, up to snuff at this point. So it's, it's, it's in good shape, you know, it'll last probably a good 50 more years. You know, and then we'll have to reinvestigate whether or not it's worth, you know, trying to keep it up again, yeah. you know, so. Um, <clears throat> so what's all the nitty gritty? How many taps do you have? Like how, how well, many people can you hold in the. We're allowed 99. Room? We're allowed okay. 99 people in the, in the tap room. That's but that's including us, you know, the, the employees. Yeah. And um, but we have uh, the um, the taps themselves. I have 20 taps and uh, but I not all of them are full yet because I'm still. I'm working to play catch up, you know, because it's been a really hard winter and, you know, we just opened up and 
well, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. How's that? <laughs> takes time. It does take time. So I've got four, four different brews in the fermenters right now. Um, I just need time to get those out of the fermenters, get them in the bright tanks, get them loaded up, and, you know, so we can put them on the tap. But uh, I think right now, um, you know, we're set. I mean, it's, it's a slow growth, but we're, we're moving along. So, but, you know, so I'm hoping by late spring we'll have all 20 taps, but that might be just a really big hope. And <laughs> got my fingers crossed, but I, don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, it's definitely not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So um, are you still operating off of – I don't want to say random because that sounds kind of no. Uh, it's old dairy equipment. Uh, no, I, well, no, I, I wasn't going to call your equipment random. <laughs> hours wise, cause ah. you, you really hadn't set permanent hours. We, we've yet pretty to, much set permanent okay. hours at this point. Um, well, I'm going to call these winter hours, or uh, I think we just this morning uh, changed it over to what we're calling March hours now. So every month we're going to just reinvestigate. Okay, because we're we're trying to figure out a new process and it's, it's pretty neat at this, you know, like figuring out how, um, what times people are showing up and what times, I mean, some people are showing up really late and some people show, you know, like nobody's showing up at certain times. So, you know, it's just working around that. Yeah. Cause when you first opened, what you said, six years ago now, yeah, six years ago, you didn't have a tap room. Well, no. actually you, could you at that time? I was or? not allowed to give tastings of anything, but I could uh, sell growlers out of the, out of the brewery at yeah. that point in time. But at, at that time, no one could have a tap room, right? It was you couldn't. Um, no, you couldn't we, sell we pints. Had, yet. We had written the law at that point uh, for farm breweries to exist. Okay, and farm breweries were allowed to sell pints, but farm regular, bre- yeah, uh, that was back because I was a class five at that point in time. Okay. Because, um, long story short, it was one of those things where you know I, I fought really hard for the farm brewery. Um, you know, bill that w- was introduced to the state of Maryland. Um, I'm going to say like 80% of that bill written in my kitchen. You know, you had people like Tom Bars coming over and you know, giving input. You had, um, I mean, just a lot of people giving input and, you know, a lot of it, you know, talking on the phone or whatever. I just write it in. Um, it was a, it was a pretty good um, camaraderie of, you know, of minds coming together, I think, to write that. And I think at the end of the day, though, um, the problem was I, because the way the bill got written, like certain things got removed out of it. And the biggest clause was, um, at right at last minute. Um, well, I'm going to say in the last hour, I should say kind of a thing. Um, they removed the, um, wholesale bit out of that so that farm breweries at that point could not wholesale. So, which single-handedly took me out of, you know, like that license, which really sucked, you know, because that was, that was something that I needed I wasn't a legit farm brewery, um, but just couldn't, you know, so I had to go with a class five until they changed the law and added um, wholesale. Uh, wholesale. To the, yeah. Okay. Once they did that, then I was free and clear to, you know, to do everything with the farm brewery license that I'd worked really hard on, <laughs> you know, but, but it really sucked. <laughs> and at, at that time, though, a class five was restricted on being able to sell yeah, the, the class five consumption, right? The class fives could sell. Um, Cause that I was sell, only like I, four years ago, right? The, yeah. There was that, there was that maybe? time. No, I'm trying to remember when it was, we were allowed to sell growlers, but they had to be, they were considered, they were, oh, how was it? How was it? It was, um, they were considered bottles to go. They were not considered growlers 
for you know like like fill at the station kind of growlers yeah. they weren't considered like that and the way i the reason i could get away with it was because we were just so small so we could fill a growler and sell a growler as a bottle and then we could you know people had a return you know like they bring back their old stuff yeah. and then we'd give them you know like a dollar off or whatever for the you know what i'm saying that kind yeah. of stuff and um and allowed uh, growler sales you know, to happen that way. Legally, you know, speaking, it was all legit. It was just different, you know, because the bigger breweries couldn't do that at the time because they were just too big. Yeah, there was you know? too many people coming through. The yeah, there was to too many to people coming through. That. Yeah, they, they couldn't figure out how many because they had everything had to be pre, pre, um, growlered. I guess <laughs> pre-bottled. <laughs> you know, it had to be pre-bottled. And but because we could start our bottling line as people were showing up. You know, it was, we weren't, we weren't filling to, yeah, we weren't filling it like a growler station. We, you know, we were filling it as a bottling station, yeah. a bottling line, because we were small enough to be able to handle that. Okay. So everything was hand filled no matter what. So it didn't matter. Are you, do, you're, do you have a growler machine or are you doing growlers now? Uh, right now we're not doing anything. So, okay. um, yeah, we kind of ran out of money okay. <laughs> uh, over this past couple of months. It's been pretty tight, you know, just trying yeah. to get everything done. Um, eventually I am going to try to get a crowler machine over there so that we can, we can fill crowlers. Uh, but for right now it's, it's just not, we're not yeah. able to do that. Unfortunately, we're not, we're not filling growlers. We're not doing anything of that sort. Any, any beer to go is just, we're not doing it right okay. now. Which we, we just don't have enough beer. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, like I said, we're, we're really playing catch up right now. So. All right, so let's um, we're going to take a real quick break to okay. thank our sponsors, and then when we come back, I guess we'll we'll unfortunately get into the negative a little bit. Ah, yes. <laughs> a huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at fifty seven hundred Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing, but Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. The Frederick Spirits Festival is coming back to the Frederick Fairgrounds on April 20th for a day of food, music, and local spirits. Find your inner mixologist with a cocktail mixing seminar with sampling included with a crafting pass, or join us for the spirits sampling by picking up a tasting pass. Liven up your liquor cabinet with local Maryland spirits. For more information and tickets, go to frederickspiritsfestival.com. Actually, I guess before we get negative, um, let, let's let talk about the the beers that you said you have four on tap now, or was it five? Uh, right Sorry. now we have one, two, hold on a second. I got my... You got your cheat sheet. My, yes, I got my cheat sheet with me here. Uh, right now, we currently have one, two, three, four, five, six beers on tap with a few others. I mean, we have like a big Russian Imperial uh, called Gorda Gok, which is it's 15% ABV. Um, that's an Imperial. That's a that's a big guy. Uh, um, we have Pussy Pile Parade, Dog Army Tank Party, uh, Whack Truck McDonkey, uh, another one we just came out with called $5 Strudel. It's not $5, and it's not a strudel. So <laughs> so completely false advertisement. Oh, it's a completely. <laughs> we don't want to cheat anybody, but, uh, you know. <laughs> so so you are doing, you're doing a mixture of old and new. 
from yes the, the, yes the classics from your from when we we'll, first we'll call up. round yes. one yes and then uh fry 2.0 has fry 2.0 i love has, that thank has you brought, <laughs> has brought brought back the classics with <laughs> with some new uh fun to the party yes all yes. right so we mentioned you had a hiatus mm-hmm. um was that mainly like the hold up of being able to open up a tasting room or well we have to go back a little bit in time okay. so we opened up uh february that's where graham can put in that uh what the, the wayne's world <laughs> those, <yeah. laughs> um but now going, we're officially back in time now we're officially back in time so we go back to 2013 february 2013 when we got open um, we, we were just operating out of our, um, little, um, our, our brewery itself, yeah. which is an old dairy barn or milk house or whatever you, you know, whatever you want to call it, your word for the day. Um, but we, we operated out of that. We brewed everything. Uh, we started selling beer up and down the road. Um, Baltimore became one of our hot spots, I guess, where, 65% of our business, you know, we were selling to Baltimore, like um, the, the restaurants and, and liquor stores in Baltimore. And I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty good hotbed. Yeah. Of there were, uh, what plate, there's definitely one plate where Max Lentz used to work. Oh, um, that was the one, let's see, Max was the one, it was um, Columbia. He's, no, it's not Columbia. Um, he said where it was, but because I had asked him what he was most excited, what beer he was most excited about, and he said he was really excited to um, check out the new your new tap room. Yeah, because he, I think he said that your beer was what he sold the most of. Yeah, where, yeah. Wherever he was, the was bar um, manager hold on a from. I have to, I have to jump back there. So it's Max. Sorry, I got mixed up. Yeah. There's other Max. Oh uh, yeah, Max Lentz from Max, Baltimore yes, yes. Spirits Company. Yes, was, hold on a second. So Max was was at. Um, at Joe Squared? Yes, that's and, it. Joe and I got to say, I, I met Max and we just had an instant like bond. Like, dude, you know what I'm saying? Type of thing. Yeah. And what a great guy. Yeah, you know? he is. He's been out to the farm a bunch of times, him and his partner. See, if and you were a supporter of the podcast and listened, you would already know that he gave know. you a shout out. Thanks a lot, loser. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I had more time in the day, but I'm already working 100 hour weeks. So <laughs> yeah. that's the great thing about a podcast. You can listen to it while you're doing other things. Yeah, I usually nice try excuse. to, but uh, you know, I, I did a few. <laughs> I did quite a few, but it just, it took a, it's taken its toll. Like work is just really taken out. So I'm sorry. I'm a loser. All right. I'll <laughs> like, no argument. Let's go back to your story. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> Since uh, I cut you off. So Baltimore, when the Freddie Gray riots, it was, I mean, I don't really like to call them the Freddie Gray riots so much, but that's how everybody out here in the, yeah. in the counties, you know, call it that. Well, you can pretend um, we're Irish and just call it the Troubles. The Freddie Gray Troubles. I, I mean, honestly, Baltimore's a lot more apt to call it that than the riots, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Graham was really unhappy with that. <laughs> What's March? It's, uh, <laughs> moving on. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry. So, but uh, during, when that happened uh, that day, uh, that the the news media decided to call it, you know, the Baltimore riots or yeah. whatever, uh, or the Freddie Gray riots. Um, yeah, like Baltimore stopped having business. Um, people quit coming coming in from out of town. I mean, their their tourism dropped to you know nothing almost and. A lot of restaurants struggled really hard, and you know we—that was our business—was the Baltimore restaurants. I mean, so the lifeblood of Baltimore was you know cut off, and we got cut off too, and it, it really just killed our business that day. 
I mean, we limped along for a while trying, but there was no, uh, because Baltimore wasn't buying. And then, of course, the wholesalers that were selling into Baltimore, they needed, you know, they had other options. They could go out into the counties and sell. Yeah. Um, which, but by the time I got out to the same people out in the counties, it was, you know, they were all full up, you know, the, the wholesalers were just unloading left and right. And it really hurt. I mean, that was, I mean, you know, just to wake up one day and just realize that, you know, something completely out of your control is, you know, could, you know, hurt everything. I mean, I struggled. I mean, it's like, I can't even tell you how many times I've eaten raw mein at this point, you know, it's, it was a struggle. Um, but we got, uh, a loan, um, you know, and went in and fixed up the barn, renovated the barn. Um, what we were hoping to be a six month, you know, period from the time we got the loan until the time we built it out. Well, you know, it's the bureaucracy of Frederick County kind of got, we got caught up in that. And it's something I wish that uh, the county could address a lot more, but they just don't seem to want to. So it's so, so what, what were the problems? So what, what were the sticking points? It's just bureaucracy it, itself. I uh, mean, we they they had people that would just tell you something, and, but they won't. They would never write something down. Uh-huh. Never write something down. They would tell it to you to your face, and then when you came back in and say, "Okay, I did this," and then they'd say, "Well, I didn't say to do that, or I said to do that, but you know, I, you have to do all this other stuff too now." And you're kind of like, "Well, wait a minute," you know? It's like, you know, <laughs> I kind of banked on this. You know, I, I had one of them. I spent ten thousand dollars on something just to find out that I didn't need to spend any money at all. And th- you know, so it was like requirements for Yeah, uh, but they, none, thing, nothing was written down. Had to be yeah, done nothing or... was written down. They would never write anything down. Um, and it's a shame because that's the stuff that needs to be written down. I mean, we need, you know, we need a piece of paper or, or, or you know, yeah. to, to walk through and say, hey, you know, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know, but it, it, never, it, it never happened that way. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, the um, Smoketown has alluded to that a yeah. lot. Also, they seem to run into a lot of issues. It's it's with in your face. It's absolutely in your face at all times. I mean, so we got held up back in the fall, um, pretty much over smoke detectors, where the guy at the county had given us a piece of paper, and it was three pieces of paper, and it was really high end language that I, I I was an English major when I was in college. I couldn't understand what it was saying. It was very scientificy kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And a friend of mine, uh, you know, came over and read it and she said, uh, you know, this is for heat detectors, not smoke detectors. Right. And I'm like, huh? Cause right now they're, we were in an argument at that point to, they wanted us to put in eight smoke detectors and which would have cost us a lot more money because, you know, we didn't bid for that. And the electricians had already, you know, run their electric when yeah. that's, you know, that kind of a thing. And it's not like at home where you just slap up smoke detectors. Yeah, well, they wanted they wanted to be wired yeah. smoke detectors, and so, but sitting there looking through the entire uh, piece of paper for smoke detectors, you know, it, it, this this held me up for two months. You know, this is the kind of stuff. It's like, and and the people at the county don't realize that you know there's you know the the time that it takes us on our end. You know what I'm saying? They're like, well, here's the piece of paper. You should just do this, and they think it might take five minutes. In reality, you know, it's that it. I wasted two months of time. Um, fighting with this, trying to figure out what they wanted exactly, why they wanted it. Um, the long and the short of it was, it was they wanted it for heat detectors. They weren't even giving me the right pieces of paper. These are the people in charge of knowing how to do safety, and they're not doing their their job. You know what I'm saying? So, what a scary situation that was. You know, so um, at the end of the day, 
Uh, we got past it. Uh, we went back to the three that we had in the plans. I don't know why we had eight, you know what I'm saying, other than the guy just had the wrong piece of paper and, yeah. and, and that was it. I mean, these, but these are the people that, that are holding us up. And like I said, that cost me two months of time. Well, I'm making bank payments at this point. That's, you know, that's a lot of money I lost. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Just, and, you know, money that I could have used for equipment, money that I could have used for, um, you know, paying, you know, a, uh, uh, help anything like that but it just got taken away from me because it's like once you've borrowed money from the bank and especially now it's it's getting kind of tight out there i mean a, a lot of people aren't you know don't understand what's going on with the markets the banks are clamping down a lot harder right now so it's it's harder to borrow money to you know so if we if we were to go in today we might not have gotten that loan today whereas you know we when we got our loan you know two years ago yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying we wouldn't have but it might, it's a little bit more of a struggle. It's, it's a little tighter. The bank's margins are a little bit, you know what I'm saying? So we have to, we have to keep an eye on that kind of stuff. And during that time, through that whole time, you had paused brewing beer too. So you, you weren't selling anything. Right, right. Um, well, we had or a stockpile that was going to last us six months. Okay. You know, that was supposed to last us six months. Um, and I had some extras that I was going to keep. So like some really like cool stuff, like the, the Saison's and my Russian Imperial stouts and stuff like that. I had a few kegs of those yeah. that I knew that like we were going to age these, you know, just keep them in stainless steel, just age them, you know, we're, since we do open fermentation, um, there's always, you know, breathing going on with the, with the fermentation, yeah. which allows whatever, you know, wild yeasts to get in there. You know, I'm not going to say they're really going to work their butts off, you know, to make something com completely different than what it was, but over the course of a few years, your beer is definitely going to have some uh, differences from when it was fresh. Yeah. Um, so, but I had six months worth of beer that I had set aside and I had um, quite a bit of beer uh, that, you know, we were, we were trying to open with. And then we ran out of that, you know, like my six month stock, we ran out of that. I sold all that and then we weren't open yet. And we weren't, you know, the county was still kind of like, hey, you know, you have to show us this, you have to show us that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're kind of, you keep upping the game here and I'm not able, you know, I didn't borrow money for, you know, like quite literally we went in because um, we were told we needed a, a type two site plan. And January, um, February of 2017, so two years ago, uh, they changed that. They said because um, we needed it, we needed to put it in um, uh, uh, in with a type one site plan, even though it was going into an existing structure. It was going into a barn that had been there two hundred years, you know, roughly speaking, yeah. two hundred years. Um, so suddenly it went from well, why why do we need all this extra stuff? We're just putting it in something that's already there. We're not breaking ground. We're not doing anything. Is that what a type two versus type one is? Nobody. Like is so there's no uh, no paperwork about what a type one versus a type oh, okay. two is. I mean, there's some. You know what I'm saying? But they, literally, they went behind closed doors, came up with a decision, and then they all stuck to their decision. It really hurt me because a type one site plan alone, even though they say oh, it, they made me pay an extra um, $3,000 for the type one site plan, didn't reimburse me for my type two site plan, which is kind of like, well, why did that happen? Um, and, uh, but then they, they um, cause that's $3,000 more for the, well, almost $3,000 more for the type yeah. one site plan. Then all the extra criteria that you have to get through. I mean, it was like quite literally when they said that they just spent $30,000 right off the bat. You know, yeah. And it's kind of like, well, dang, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot of money, you know? And well then also too, because it's Frederick County and the type one site plans and everything that they had going on. Um, we, it was another six months. I mean, it literally just pushed us back six months. 
and which you know that's not something you want to hear you know it's like wait wait a minute i i'm i'm supposed to be open in 6 months not just getting started in 6 months because yeah. that's quite literally what happened it's like so here you go here it is um 6 months from now you can start you know it's uh, oh man i'm so that's from when you can get permits yeah. and everything yeah to actually be basically able to start the basically the county has to approve the type 1 site plan so um, and then during this process, there was a new uh, law that they introduced for farm tasting rooms to exist, which meant that you didn't have to go through the type one site plan. So, and, but at this point we were already, you know, we'd already all the way through, you know, the way through and it's kind of like, well, gee, what do you do? You do, yeah. do, do we just stick around with this type one site plan at this point? Or we, do we punt and go with the other one? And well, we stuck with the type one site plan because at that point it, it just wasn't worth it either which way. So it's. It is what it is, you know. But you made it through it. You made You're, it through. I, I assume at this point you have everything signed off you need to do. You don't have to go to them for anything. No, I still and, have oh. to go back. We're on a temporary license for the next two months. You know, oh, okay. Until we can uh, – we have to plant – because the county came in and made us plant 12 trees. And the reason was, well, it looks nice. And I'm like, this is private property. You know, this is my farm, this is private property, and you're telling me to plant 12 trees because it looks nice on private property. Because they're trying to say that it's commercial, but it's, a, it's ag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So who, makes an, who makes a farmer plant trees? Nobody, except for Frederick County. So it's... it's that, that, okay, that one is completely curious. Because I, I, I know when, we, when this building was built, we had to pun, plant a bunch of trees, but I think that was part of like reforestation. Because yeah. so much land was... Um, cult or turned up and yeah. turned into a huge building <laughs> and parking lot to compensate for that. We had to plant a bunch of trees, right? And th- that makes sense, but but you, it's an you existing didn't change barn, anything. an existing barn. You know, we're not even. Yeah. We, it's your yeah, farm. It was, it was <laughs> we're a farm. We're already there. <laughs> and I was like, what you, "You guys got to be kidding me!" So right now we're still held up because um, the the trees are basically locked in the ground. You know, because it's still frozen. Yeah. I mean, it might be a warm day out today, but you know, down underneath, you know, there's still a frost line down um, down low enough. So uh, it'll be April before they can even get any trees out of the ground to you know bring over to my farm so we can plant them. So it's, yeah, <laughs> just the work never ends either. That's the worst part about it. It's always a hold up and then you have to work like mad because to get between like the yeah. rainstorms and the, you know, and all the other stuff. It's, it's, it's continuous. That one, is, that, that one definitely is mind boggling. It, <laughs> it very much is. It's one of those things where I'm like, you know, I could have been, I mean, with my permanent license already, yeah. but so the, the 12 trees 12 are trees. all that's holding up. That's that pretty much it. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I think there might be one or two other things that I might have to you know, look at on the, yeah. but it's those 12 trees, really. Well, at least you have a nice new sign now, too. Yes. I saw the pictures you posted of that. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy, John uh, Gumfrey, he, uh, um, he's a woodworker. I mean, he, he does this wood burning uh-huh. and it's beautiful. I mean, he brought it over. I was like, oh, you know, I just, I want to give him shouts, you know, cause he's, he's so awesome. I mean, his art is, it's top notch. It really is. And uh, I, I, I'm hoping I can put some of some of his stuff up and like on the walls in there and, and sell it for him because he does, he just does really good work. Nice, you know. So he's you can you can see. It's also know. nice when that's done too because it, it I mean it helps decorate the brewery yeah. nicely too and it helps out artists. Who yes, oh absolutely. Show their work absolutely. and be able to purchase it. Absolutely. Um. So do you have do you have like a 
are you going to do like a grand reopening or a grand opening once, for once, the tap room? Yeah, once type? we get our a permanent license, okay. uh, then we're going to get our we're going to do our grand opening. So like early spring. It, well, Hopefully, no, spring's yeah. only like eleven days. I know hour, it's, so it's, got, it's sneaking up so on us like, pretty fast. <laughs> so, sometime in April or May. I'm, yeah, we're hoping. Yeah, that's it's. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of work between here and there. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of brewing, a lot of, I mean, just a lot of groundwork. Um, we just, you know, we need to get some stone in and, you know, and things like that for, you know, just put over top of, it's been a mud pit, the, you know, it's, it's because this past year has done nothing but rain. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it just wouldn't stop. Um, we've got wet spots on the farm, like, you know, like out in the fields that are, have been wet for a year now. And these were places that have never had water on them, you know, forever. And, and now it's just these big, you know, and what is this, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I looked out my backyard the other day, and I noticed that my backyard is sort of a swamp right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's always how it is there with the farm right now. <laughs> uh, are you going to be able to have uh, any types of events or live music or anything like that there, I or is that still not think, allowed? I think and, Frederick County is passed a law or something's going on with that i'm not exactly there's sure there's definitely there definitely was something going on with that because i know yeah, tom I mean, bars was yeah. involved with working on that yeah. um but yeah i don't know if it was ever passed or not I don't know that, that was specifically for farm breweries right or was uh, it just being able to do live events i think that was for all the farm breweries and, and wineries um, okay like anybody that's basically on ag Ag, ag property that owns a farm tasting room. Okay. Do you have the space that you'll be able to yeah, I mean, have we, events and got, stuff there? Yeah, we've got totally. I mean, it, the farm itself is, well, the farm, because it's my farm and my brother and my, you know, like my family, yeah. we own, we own together uh, 800 acres right there. So we can figure something out. A little out. bit of land. Yeah, we can figure something out. Maybe you, you <laughs> could have like Frederick's version of Woodstock. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh so once you get caught up with brewing and have enough for beer for the tap room, are you going to go back to wholesaling, or are you going to try to just stick to we'll selling see. it through the we'll, tap room? We'll see. Because right now, um, I mean, I, I I really worked that hard for years. I mean, I I was, and I'm not trying to brag, you know. what I'm saying it's one of those, but I went out single handedly. I landed like 120, you know, clients across the state of Maryland. Um, just walked in, talked to people. This is back before, um, you know, like the new generation of breweries were coming out. We were, yeah. we were kind of like, I'm, I'm going to call it second tier, I guess, of Maryland breweries, you know, where we, we went in, we, you know, we wrote the laws for the farm breweries. We became farm breweries and we went out and sold. Um, like I said, I went across Baltimore. I mean, a lot of, I didn't even have to work at that hard back then because a lot of people were calling me up. Hey, I tried your beer here at Liam Flynn's Ale House, and and can you can you come over here and try to sell us something too? And like, oh yeah, you know, and I, I show up and they're like, what beers do you want? And like, you know, Pussy Pile Parade, Whack Truck McDonkey, you know, and, and it was exciting. Um, it's kind of weird too because you'd walk into some restaurants and people be like, oh my God, there's fries, you know, and you're like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> like, you're looking around like, is he going to get me, you know? <laughs> and they just want to come up and say hi to you because they were really impressed with what we were doing. Nice. So yeah, we we I really enjoyed it. It was it was quite the experience i gotta say i'm glad i was uh, able to land you know when we when we when we did and and able to do back you know then but i think uh the wholesale game is 
kind of shot at this point. It's yeah, hard. It's pro- I was yeah. going to say it's probably a lot harder now. It's, it's so a many lot more. harder. Well, we had issues with um, the wholesalers themselves just walking in and saying, well, you know, I see you got fries on tap there. Well, you know, we just had a truck, you know, a keg fall off the truck. We'll sell it to you for a dollar, you know, type of thing. And well, suddenly like, people are like, well, shoot, we can't we can't deny a dollar, you know, keg, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, and that's how they get us n- bumped back off of that tap. And well, and that happened across, I mean, we had at one, one of the uh, restaurants we were selling to, the wholesalers were coming in. I don't know which wholesale or anything like that, but somebody was coming in and grabbing our kegs and throwing them in the dumpster. And yeah, I mean, it was this kind of stuff was happening. This is back in, in its infancy, you know what I'm saying? I had one restaurant, uh, eight kegs were stolen out of the restaurant and nobody knows where they went. This, these are kegs under lock and key. So the only wholesalers had access to it and, you know, and the people that owned the place. So, you know, eight kegs missing from one restaurant seems kind of fishy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Or it was just a really big fan that wanted to have their guess. own supply. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so the answer to that is to be determined. To be I determined, gather it. yes. <laughs> it's, that's a future thing. We'll see. But for right now, I'm going to hold off on it because yeah. I just don't. I don't think we need, uh, I don't think I need that stress in my life. You know, I'm, I'm trying to streamline everything. So I'm less stress, better beer, uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and just try to, a better atmosphere for when people show up. I want yeah. people to feel, when they walk into the, the taste room, um, everybody should feel like they're at home as soon as they walk in. And you can see it in their faces when they walk in, you know, they look around at, at the smell of the wood, uh, you know, of this old barn, you know, because we use a lot of um, you know, pines and oaks and, you know, and, and it's just, there's a lot of rich, you know, smells in the air when you walk in. And, and as they come in, you know, like the, we, it, it, we have a friendly uh, staff that, you know, our beer tenders are just, they're phenomenal. They go out of their way to make these people feel like they're in a living room, you know, like in their living yeah. room at home kind of a thing. And it just feels good. So... And by the time people, you know, get up and leave, it's like they don't want to. You know what I'm saying? They want to stay around. They want to stick around and talk to us some more. It's, it's a good feeling. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so probably from the last time you were open and brewing, there's been a – not a huge shift, but a decent shift in the trends in yeah. craft beer. Yeah. Do you plan on going after any of that type of stuff I, or just stick to I'm what Fry's has always done? I'm going to stick to what Fry's has always done. I mean, we've always done a really good job of farmhouse styles. Um, you know, we, we try really hard to make sure that when people uh, show up, um, I mean, well, for instance, one of the things I recently did was um, we've kind of removed the name IPA off of all our, uh, all of our beers. Um, now we're just, you know, as we present them to people, we're like this is this is a hop forward beer or a malt forward beer, because um, I think that at this point in time, IPAs just become so, for lack of a better word, bastardized. You know, it's like there's so many well, different. It's almost just another term for beer. It is. It really is. It's <laughs> like, well, this has got hops in it, so we're going to call it an IPA. Yeah. And I'm like, well, woo, you know, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I mean, it's like I can I can appreciate a good IPA. Yeah. But so it's almost kind of like the approach that Six Point used to take. I don't know. Well, six, uh, for the longest time, although it, it looks like they've started assigning styles to their beers. Not really. But for the longest time, Six Point didn't have styles on their beers. They listed all. The, they listed the um, flavor characteristics, the IBUs. Oh, really? Colored. I didn't know that. Yeah, they didn't oh, wow. have. Never. I never paid attention. But they've. I've noticed recently the last few times I've seen their cans. They do attribute styles to them but for the longest time they they put just put descriptions they didn't have any styles associated to them yeah that's pretty much what 
what uh, we've done. I mean, we, we, we kind of attribute some styles, you know, like if we have a, a Weizen or, you know, something like that, we'll, we'll definitely call it a stout or a Weizen or, or whatever. Um, but like I said, it, it, as far as the IPA, it's just, it got, it's gotten to the point where everybody's trying to compare, you know, an IPA to some other IPA out there and, it's why 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 beat yourself up over that market? You know, <laughs> come in, enjoy some beer, and and just enjoy it. I mean, can you use can you, will you get some hops? Yes, you'll get some hops. You know, will it, will you know, quench your thirst? Yeah, it'll definitely quench your thirst. You know, and we haven't had many people complaining. That's for sure. I mean, I uh, I don't think we've hardly. I mean, we've barely had anybody had any you know like a bad time. Let's put it like that. Awesome. So, and you used to, it was three weeks. You've been re. Since you started having the, we had a really super soft opening for the Super Bowl, um, you know, okay. kind of thing. It was just nobody really watched it, you know, or anything like that. But it was it was kind of playing in the background. Everybody was more excited about the beer. Yeah. Um, and that was on on February third. Uh, other than that, we you know, it was my, my you know, what I'm saying what we've been doing is just sitting there and and uh, every weekend since you know opening up the doors and and waiting for people to show up and you know just we just kind of put a little blurb out on facebook or, or or a website and and just see what happens we haven't really even advertised yet and we've been getting a consistent flow awesome so, which is really nice yeah so i can't wait to see what happens when we start advertising <laughs> yeah, when people know yeah when you're definitely gonna be open <laughs> would you have anything else you'd like to cover or bring up oh or? man um well i got one more beer if you want to try that uh well we can Actually, what, what, um, yeah, let's try it. Okay. Um, although <laughs> I think I'm pretty much out of questions. <laughs> You're out of questions. Yeah. Did I, 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 oh, let's see. I got whack truck McDonkey here. So, so what is, um, what has been your, um, fans' favorite beer that you've done? So, we, um, of course, you know, everybody wants to drink Pussy Pile Parade and Whack Truck McDonkey. Those were always our big sellers before. And people were excited about those beers, and they're coming in and, and trying them. Uh, we even have a Pussy Pile Parade that's actually aged two years. You know, it's one of those ones that I set to the side. And it was actually the one that was, I was most worried about because I didn't know if it was, how it was going to hold up over, you know, two years. Um, it's been selling like hotcakes. People love it. It's it's lost its hoppiness. Mm-hmm. It's it, it gained roastiness for some reason. It's not a. I mean, it's a dark. You know, it's a black rye, but it's not. Um, it just never had that roastiness. But over over at the years, it's you know as it's aged, it's become just a better beer. You know, or not maybe not a better beer, but just a different beer. And people are buying it left and right, and I'm kind of excited about that. So. I, I want to try to do uh, batches where we set a few to the side, like every, you know what I'm saying? And just, yeah, and just see what happens. And just see what happens and serve them over the course of two years and just keep on, you know, with that and just have, obviously we're going to have to be open for a while for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that most people, um, they've been pretty excited about the, the, like what we're, what we're offering at this point. Um, we have um, the, the beer that we're, I, well, I'm, I'm still drinking it, but uh, Dog Army Tank Party. Or uh, you might also call it Dog Army Tank Party. Um, my son came up with the name. I just yeah, I was going to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> you, your, your sons are involved yeah. a lot with the naming of beers and for the label Labeling, artwork. Right? Yeah, I, I, I often get ideas and artwork from them. Um, we have many different things that we do together, and I love my boys. You know, and it's like, and I try to, 
I try to keep them involved in the breweries. I mean, you know, as much as a, a kid can, yeah. you know, can be involved in the brewery. I mean, I don't as want as much them, as you legally can. Yeah, exactly. I don't <laughs> or want, responsibly can ex- as exactly a, as a good but father. <laughs> they're good kids. They're and they're a lot of fun to be around. And you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to, um, I don't want them to feel like they're not being a part of this because this is all because you know, as a family. You know, I want yeah. them, you know, I've named it Fry's Brewing Company. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, it's it's called Fry's Brewing Company. And I think that's because, you know, my kids, I want them to be involved when they get old enough to be involved in it. And I want their kids to be involved in it. And I mean, hopefully this can go on for generations. So hopefully we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and then um, a, a dog army tank party, which is kind of like a Belgian-esque Belgian style farmhouse. It's probably the most approachable beer we have right now, as far as like uh, larger beers over 7%, I should say. Um, it is, people are definitely buying that beer. They're, they're really enjoying it. It's not hop forward. It's not hop. Um, it's not a heavy, it heavily hopped in any way, shape or form, but um, very uh, malt forward. Uh, a lot of different, um, you know, different styles of grains in there. We have wheat, oat, uh, you know, barley, and and how it how it works out together is just really nice. Uh, Whack Truck McDonkey, which is our, our, our my favorite beer, um, it's 102 IBUs. It's a big beer. It's it's really hard to make. Um, that's what you're drinking right now is Whack Truck, and um, it's just it's an approachable beer. And that's the beer that we give to people that want the IPAs when they're asking for an IPA. Well, how about you try Whack Truck? You know, and they and they try it, and they're all you know big smiles all around usually. So. Um, one of the nice things I, I want to, I do want to talk about cause you, you, um, with the little beer glasses that we have right here, um, I, uh, bought a lot of different glassware to serve the different beer styles in so that that way when people show up and they're, you know, and you give them a beer, um, it's not the shaker glass. Yeah. I'm, I read an article recently was talking about the shaker glass, you know, which, which is a standard pint glass that we have yeah. in almost everywhere. Um, they were never designed to touch a human lips, right? They were made for shaking, you know, the, the martini glasses yeah. or whatever and, and pouring out of. And, but the, the beer industry itself has grabbed those. They're, they're cheap glasses, but they're heavy duty. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're durable. Not, they're, yeah, they're very durable. You can drop them on a the floor. They're, they're not I, necessarily I've actually seen somebody to... <laughs> drop one on a concrete floor and it bounced and the guy <laughs> caught it. And I was like, and it didn't break. And we were, what? <laughs> um, it, this is a long time ago, but, uh, but today, um, you know, where we're at, I, I'm like, as, as far as I'm concerned, if a brewery has spent, you know, thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars or however much money they have um, on this great equipment, on, you know, like, uh, you know, like all this, all this money and, and the best brewers and everything else. And then you walk them to, into the tasting room and you, and you get served your beer in a shaker glass it's kind of like buying a Lamborghini and putting Hyundai tires on it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, you still got that power, you still got all the other stuff, but you're not going to get the performance. And that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. That, that is a good trend though. There, there are definitely fewer and fewer breweries that are serving beer out of shakers yeah. solely. There's yeah. That um, <clears throat> seems to be a dying trend. That yeah. Places are at least going towards the tulip pint uh, yeah something a little or, nicer something yeah. a little nicer and i i mean w- 
we have a slew of different glasses. I have everything from the big wheats all the way down, you know, to the snifters and, and everything in between. Pilsner glasses. I've got, you know, my, 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 everybody's favorites are goblets. We've got these big, beautiful Belgian-style goblets. And you, 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 we, we pour a beer into that and we serve it up. Nice, big, fat head. Um, it just looks the part. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It looks... Like and and you could see people as soon as you put it down in front of them, like the smile on their face, and then they they get into it, and it's and it's a continuous thing. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, these people, they can appreciate some good glassware. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's I think that's what's needed. What's I mean, like, like nothing's worse than when you go someplace and they bring you a beer in plastic. Oh, yeah. Like, so no, that's I've, that's I've been the breweries that did that and. I can understand if it's during an event yeah, and you're, yeah. like, you're just worried about breaking everything. Breaking glass and somebody stepping on it, yeah. But this was just a normal day that I was there and oh. it was a plastic cup. I'm like, oh, come on. No, <laughs> no, you can't do that. Have a little bit more respect <laughs> for your product. No, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely don't like that. Um, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're drinking out of plastic, it's not – it's really not good for your beer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the, those flavors just kind of get eaten up by the plastic itself. And it's, it's not a good thing. So, but, uh, but I think real good glass is, is the best way to go. It makes a big difference. It, it really a does. Tremendous difference it in the really taste does. of beer or the, really the experience does. of it. I think so. I mean, like I said, it's, you can see like how people react when they, you know, I, 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 I do believe it's all an experience, like the part of the experience, like, you know, you have good friendly staff, you have good, um, you know, the glassware, the presentation itself, everything lends a hand. I mean, you could probably have, um, you know, an okay beer, you know what I'm saying? But if you, if it's presented properly, if it's given to people with a nice, charming smile and, and, you know, a smile, a, a nod and a wink, you know, type of thing, and here yeah. you go, and where the person feels good about themselves, you know what I'm saying, going into it. I think they're going to have a better time all around. So, I agree. So yeah. So tell me about what you got here. <laughs> so this is <laughs> this is a single malt whiskey okay. infused with Meridian and UK Golding hops. Oh, nice. Um, inside it was put inside the gin basket and um, made at McClintock Distilling. This was aged for a couple months in a, a two-liter, three-liter barrel. I can't oh, really? How small one. Um, the real, <clears throat> the real finished product will be out uh, probably this coming January, maybe. Oh, really? Or when it tastes finished? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's something I made with them, but every guest is forced to try it. Oh, thank um, you. I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so congratulations on Fries 2.0. Thank you uh, so much. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. And, uh, congratulations and cheers. Cheers, Chris. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.